or those with an easier angle of view, were available. She was there that morning, silent and studious as ever, when the news of Rosa's death came tumbling up the stairs. So she was among the first to hear it. It was unfortunate, shocking even, that the news reached the female students so raw and sudden, but even in the best-run establishments such things do occur. It was by chance the women painting in Passage de Panorama heard so quickly and so brutally of the tragedy. One of Lafon's male students, a young romantic Englishman called John Edwards, lived in the room beside Rose Champions in a shabby tenement hunkered off the boulevard Clichy. It was an unpleasant building without gas or electricity and with only one tap which all the inhabitants had to share. He knew his neighbour was a student in one of the all-female ateliers, but she was not pretty enough to attract his attention, not while the streets were full of French girls who made it their business to charm the male gaze. What's more, he assumed that as a woman she would have little of interest to say about art. When he took up his residence, though, he noticed that Rose kept herself and her threadbare wardrobe clean and approved of that, then thought no more about her. In the month they had been neighbours, they had had one short conversation on the stairs about teaching at Academy Le Fond. It ended when he asked to see her work, and Rose told him he wouldn't understand it. He had only wished to be polite and was offended by her refusal. They did not speak again. The walls that divided their room were thin, and he happened to be awake and waiting that morning for the matte grey light of the Paris dawn to filter into the sky. It was the hour and the season when the city looked unsure of itself. In the full darkness, the clubs and cabarets shone like the jewels. The city then was a woman in evening dress, certain of her beauty and endlessly fascinating. The air smelled of roasting chestnuts, and music spilled out of every café, humble or luxurious, into the streets. In the full light of day, Paris was chic and confident. The polished shops were filled with colour and temptation. On every corner was a scene worth painting. It was modern without being vulgar, tasteful without being rigid or dull, a parade of elegant originality. Only in this hour, just before dawn on a winter's morning, did the city seem a little haggard, a little stale. The shutters were up and the cafes all closed or closing. The streets were almost empty. Only the occasional man, purple in the face and stale with smoke and drink, hailing a cab in Place Pigalle, or the old woman washing out the gutters with the stiff-brushed brooms. Sitting in the window with a blanket round his shoulders and his pipe clamped between his teeth, John Edwards was thinking about Matisse, his solid blocks of colour that at times seemed ugly, but with an ugliness more honest than beauty. He pictured himself making this argument to the poets and painted who gathered at Le Lapin Agile in Montmartre. He imagined them nodding seriously, then telling their friends they had found an Englishman of talent and wisdom. They would introduce him to the most interesting art dealers in the city, the most advanced collectors and critics. He would write a manifesto. He was enjoying the opening night of his first sensational solo show, when he heard the sound of a chair overturning and the creak of a rope. 
there was no doubt where it came from. He dropped the blanket from his shoulders, ran into the corridor and started hammering at the door, calling her name, then rattling the handle. It was locked. By the time he put his shoulder to the door, the other residents of the house had emerged from their rooms and were watching, peering over the banister rails, their eyes dull with a new day. Finally, the lock splintered and he tumbled into the room. She had hung a rope from one of the central beams. Her body still swung a little from side to side like a pendulum, just before it stops completely. John had to scream in the face of the waiter, who lived in the other room on this floor before he would help him get her down. It was too late. She was most likely dead, even before he had begun shouting her name. They laid her on the bed and one of the women went to phone the...